On a Monday, it's Bigger Pockets Daily. This is where we take the best articles from biggerpockets.com and read them, so you can keep learning about real estate while you go about your busy life. We know you've heard it before. Cash flow is getting very hard to find. There's always long distance investing, but you may be thinking, I don't have a team, enough experience, or the market knowledge to get in. That's where you're wrong. And it's also where Rent to Retirement comes in. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest out of state with confidence. They've got single family, multifamily, new build, and syndication opportunities across multiple markets. They even have bird deals with immediate equity. Rent to Retirement helps investors learn how to build a bulletproof business plan with the best investment and tax strategies around to help you reach financial freedom through real estate. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems already in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Managing your finances used to be a pain. It was either useless apps or overcomplicated spreadsheets. But now with Monarch Money, managing your money is easier than ever. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com bigger. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. You can even collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor at no extra cost to get a joint view of all your finances. Customize your dashboard, notifications, and budgets with the tap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show right here will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash bigger. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash bigger for your extended 30-day free trial. Investors, memorize these 11 real estate metrics now by Andrew Sirios. Despite what many of us math-allergic folk would prefer, real estate investments do require some math. You have to know your real estate metrics to succeed. What's a good investment? What's a bad investment? If you don't crunch the numbers, you'll never know. Luckily, 
Most of the formulas are simple and straightforward. In fact, if you can master the calculations we're going to talk about today, you should be just fine. Capitalization rate or cap rate. Used for apartment complexes and large commercial buildings. Net operating income, NOI, divided by total price of the property. Example, NOI, $25,000. Total price, purchase and rehab, $300,000. $25,000 divided by $300,000 equals 0.083, or an 8.3% cap rate. Just move the decimal over two spots to the right. Cap rate is primarily used to value apartment complexes and larger commercial buildings. It can also be used for houses and small multifamily, but operating expenses are erratic with houses. After all, you won't know how often and how bad your turnovers will be. Cap rate allows you to compare properties in a similar asset class by differing characteristics that make a direct comparison impossible. For example, let's say you're comparing two apartment complexes. Building A is a 100-unit apartment complex with 75 one-bedroom units and 25 two-bedroom units that average 750 square feet. Each unit has old wooden windows and central air and heat. And the apartment complex has an on-site laundry room and a community swimming pool. Building B is an 80-unit apartment complex with 21-bedroom units, 52-bedroom units, and 10 three-bedroom units, averaging 900 square feet. Each unit has vinyl windows and washer-dryer hookups, but only a furnace and window unit air conditioning. There is no swimming pool, but each tenant has a carport. Comparing building A and building B is much more difficult than comparing two single-family homes. Enter the cap rate, which takes the actual income those buildings produce, subtracts the expenses, and divides it by the total cost. This is a great tool for comparing large assets, as long as they are in a relatively similar class and location. Look for a cap rate that equals or exceeds that of comparable nearby buildings. Personally, I aim for an 8% cap rate or better, although that's impossible in some areas. Always be sure to use real numbers or your own estimates when calculating cap rate. Don't simply use what's on the seller-provided pro forma, or as I like to call them, pro faca. The disadvantage is that a cap rate is only a snapshot. It says nothing about the expected growth in rents, expenses, or property value. It also says nothing about whether using leverage will increase your return. Next up, cash flow used for rental properties, total income minus total expenses. Here's an example. Monthly rent, $1,200. Monthly expenses, $1,000. $1,200 minus $1,000 equals $200 monthly net cash flow. When evaluating rental properties, it's essential to work out ahead of time your expected monthly cash flow. And you'll need to look at the big picture, not just the simple numbers. After all, it's easy to subtract your mortgage payment from the rental income and think, ta-da, positive cash flow. Not so fast. When determining your total expenses, make sure to include things like property taxes, hazard insurance, flood insurance, water, sewer, garbage, electricity, property management, general maintenance and upkeep, capital expenditures, or CapEx, and vacancy rate. 
If you need help sorting out cash flow, we have a great tool, Rental Property Calculator, that you can find at biggerpockets.com. Next up, we take a look at return on investment, used for understanding how well a deal performed. Gain on investment minus cost of investment divided by cost of investment. Okay, quick example. Your investment, $100,000. The gain was $150,000. Plug that into the formula, $150,000 minus $100,000 divided by $100,000 equals 50% return on investment. So return on investment, or ROI, is beneficial for analyzing how well a deal did in the past. This type of measurement is always important. You can't fine-tune your future investing unless you know how your previous investments performed. Of course, when using ROI to analyze whether or not to buy a property, it's only as good as your assumptions you put into it. It's important to look at this number in context. Looking at our example that we just did, 50% return on investment sounds great. But if it took you 50 years to make that kind of return, not so great. You can get an annualized return on investment rate by simply dividing your ROI by the number of years you had the investment. So, in the earlier case, in our example, it would be 50% divided by 50, which equals a 1% annual ROI. Not good. Let's move on to internal rate of return, IRR. It's used for getting into detail about how an investment performed. Here's a pro tip. Calculating IRR is best left to a calculator. Let's say you are looking at a deal with the following assumptions. The purchase price and costs to close, 200 grand. You have no leverage. Your first year net operating income is $20,000. Annual growth rate of net operating income, 2%. Year five capital improvements, such as like a new roof or HVAC, 50 grand. Disposition price minus costs, end of year 10, $300,000. You can do this calculation in a spreadsheet using the formula equals IRR, parentheses, or you can use one of the many IRR calculators online. We have one, a link right inside this article at biggerpockets.com. So with these numbers, you'll find that your IRR equals 11.21%. Before tax, of course, but not too bad. For the most precise evaluation of how an investment performed, we turn to IRR. This can be a very powerful calculation because it accounts for the variability of future cash flows and for the fact that money invested sooner is worth more. So think about it this way. Would you rather have 10,000 bucks today or five years from now? If you have the money now, you can invest that 10,000 and make a healthy return for five years. Thus, money now is worth more than money later. So what the IRR is calculating is what your annual effective compounded return rate is. Or in other words, what your average return is when taking into account when you have cash inflows and outflows. So we, here's why it's important. Let's compare that number we calculated to your ROI. The total of your return is $468,994, to be exact. So if we calculate the ROI, we'll find that it's more than 2% higher than the IRR. 
What gives? A large chunk of the money came in at the end when the property was sold. So as we noted before, money is worth more now than later. So your internal rate of return is reduced. The IRR accounts for when money comes in and out, whereas the ROI does not. Let's move on to our next metric, rent cost, used for single-family homes and then small multifamily properties too. Monthly rent divided by total property price. Easy. Example, monthly rent, $1,000. Total property price, purchase and rehab, $75,000. 1,000 divided by 75,000 equals 0.0133 or a 1.33% rent to cost. This is a great calculation for houses and sometimes small multifamily apartments. That being said, only use this calculation when comparing the rental value of like properties. Don't compare the rent cost of a Class C property to one in a gated community. A roof costs the same, square foot for square foot in both areas, but vacancy and delinquency will be higher in a bad area. Here, rent to cost won't tell you what your actual cash flow will be, but when comparing like properties in similar areas, Rent cost is a very helpful tool. According to Gary Keller in The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, the national average rent to cost is 0.7%. For cash flow properties, you definitely want to be above 1%. We usually aim for around 1.5%, depending on the area, of course. Moving on to gross yield. Used for large portfolios. Annual rent divided by total price of property. Quick example, say your annual rent's nine grand. Your total price, purchase and rehab, a hundred grand. $9,000 divided by 100,000 equals 0.09 or a 9% gross yield. This is basically the same calculation as before, just flipped around. It's used more often when valuing large portfolios, but overall, it serves the same purpose as rent cost. It's simple to calculate gross yield, which makes it a great back-of-the-napkin number. However, it leaves out so ho many variables, such as expenses and debt. It should only be seen as a shorthand tool and not an in-depth analysis. Moving on to debt service coverage ratio, used, of course, for obtaining financing. Net operating income divided by debt service. Quick example, NOI, $25,000. Annual debt service, $20,000. $25,000 divided by $20,000 equals 1.25 debt service ratio. Banks always want to see this important number, making it critical for obtaining financing. Generally, a bank will look at both the property's debt service ratio and your global debt service ratio, that of your entire company or portfolio. In regular English, Debt service ratio is a metric used to determine if you can afford to pay off your loans. This metric matters because 9 times out of 10, when you're buying real estate, you use debt. A debt service ratio below 1 indicates that you will lose money each month. Banks don't like that, and you shouldn't either. Generally, banks want to see a 1.2 or higher ratio. That provides a little cushion to afford the payments in case things get worse. Moving on to one of the favorites from of investors, 
Cash on cash return. Used for buy and hold investors. Cash flow divided by cash in deal. Quick example. Your yearly cash flow, NOI minus debt service, is $10,000. Your cash into the deal, $40,000. So we take $10,000 divided by $40,000 equals 0.25 or 25% cash on cash. Okay, cash on cash return is also simple to calculate and tells you what your return will be in the first year of holding the property. This is a great calculation for investors who are intent on holding a property. It also helps you decide whether to use leverage and also what kind of leverage as you can easily calculate your cash on cash return. It also helps you decide whether to use leverage and what kind of leverage as you can easily calculate how your cash on cash return will change if you reduce your cash invested by adding debt, which also increases the accompanying debt service. In the end, Cash on cash is the most important number. It indicates whether or not financing a cash investment is a good idea. In other words, cash on cash return computes the rate of return on an investment property on the basis of the cash invested in it. Let's look at our quick example from earlier. If you had $40,000 in the deal and made ten dollars that year, your cash on cash return is 25%. This is a critical calculation not only when it comes to valuing a property, but also when it comes to evaluating what kind of debt or equity structure to use when purchasing it. Let's take a look at the 50% rule used for estimating property expenses. The formula, operating income times 0.5 equals probable operating expenses. Example, let's say your operating income is $100,000. Operating expenses equal $100,000 times 0.5 equals 50 grand. So this is a shorthand rule used to estimate property expenses. Whenever possible, use real numbers, like say the operating statement. But either way, this rule will help you filter out deals that just don't make sense. Just remember, a nicer building will have a lower ratio of expenses to income than a worse one. Plus, other factors, like who pays the utilities, comes into play. Don't simply rely on the 50% rule. Or <laughs> the 70% rule, which is totally different because it's used for determining an offer price. So the formula, offer price equals 0.7 times after repair value minus rehab. Okay, example time. After repair value, let's say, is $150,000. The rehab is $25,000. So your offer price equals 0.7 times $150,000 minus $25,000 equals $80,000. Personally, I think this rule beats the 50% rule. The 70% rule helps you decide on an appropriate offer price. And remember, you should never just offer the asking price or even the market value of the property per se. You should offer what suits your investing methods. Always crunch the numbers down to the closing costs before you actually purchase a property. Okay, any offer based off the 70% rule should be just fine as long as your rehab estimate and after repair value estimates are correct. Okay, moving on to equity multiple. And this is our last one for today. 
This is used for understanding lifetime returns. Formula, total cash distributions divided by total equity invested. Quick example, let's say your total cash distributions are $273,000. Your total equity invested is 150K. 273,000 divided by 150,000 equals 1.82 equity multiple ratio. Okay, so the equity multiple EM ratio helps understand total cash return over the life of an investment. This is also an income and equity metric. So the EM differs from the IRR in that it does not take into account the length of the investment period or the time value of money. Because it does not factor in discount to present value and does not take risks or other variables into account, EM should not be looked at in isolation. Paired with IRR, however, you have a powerful combination of metrics. The EM is a static factor, meaning it will not deviate year to year based on income or expense fluctuations. Using Calculations for Real Estate Investment Property Analysis The most important thing to remember when running all these calculations is simple. One number does not a decision make. Real estate investment analysis requires a whole suite of metrics and calculations because every one of these numbers tells you something different. Solid positive cash flow alone doesn't make a property worth buying. I hope you got some value out of that article. Before I get out of here, did you know Bigger Pockets has nationwide data that can help you identify the best market, neighborhood, and property to invest in? It's called Bigger Pockets Insights, and it's a benefit available to pro members only. See if Bigger Pockets Insights can help you at biggerpockets.com/insights. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here tomorrow.